Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. As you probably heard this week, the group, the the committee was chosen to be discussing what we're going to do with a billion dollars of provincial money for transportation, transit, roads, whatever. And in the midst of that came the renewed discussion that, hey, you know what, LRT is still potentially on the table. Well, that may be, and that may be a good thing, ultimately. However, I wanted to bring in John Willing, who writes for the Ottawa Citizen, about what they're experiencing in Ottawa right now with the LRT. This does not necessarily mean what's happening there, that we should not investigate and pursue LRT. But perhaps there are some things to consider as we do so. John, thanks for doing this today. really appreciate it. No problem, Scott. Thanks for having me. The... Um from what I'm reading, the rollout of your new LRT system there, what, what, what word do we want to use to describe it? I think bumpy might be a slight understatement. What word would you use? Any synonym, shaky, rocky, troubled. <laughs> it's been a full gamut over the past four to five months, that's for sure. It, it has been about five months since it's been going. Take a minute or so, if you can, and walk us through some of the stuff that has happened. Well, you know, the LRT system here in the capital opened, in, I think it was September 14th exactly, to great fanfare, great anticipation. It was delayed construction by over a year, so a lot of people in the city were really looking forward to having uh, their, their first LRT system. is 12 and a half kilometers across the city uh, through the downtown under a tunnel, in a tunnel through the downtown, sorry. And um, uh, since then, it's just had a lot of problems with maintenance. So, you know, doors have been jammed uh, recently with uh, uh, the snowfall in Ottawa. Tracks, uh, the track switches have been jammed. Uh, and, you know, there have been problems with the computer systems on the LRT system. So every time there's a, a, a kind of an outage or a problem or a problem with the tracks, uh, it causes delays for the ridership. And, you know, this is not good, especially at peak times. For example, in, in the morning and in the afternoon when people are trying to get home, and what has happened is the, the system just gets really overloaded with people, people waiting for trains because the trains aren't coming as often as they would expect. And uh, what the city's had to do is actually reinstate some bus routes, uh, some special bus service along uh, the, the LRT route, kind of like a parallel bus service, to try to increase the capacity of the transit system because with the LRT delays, because of the maintenance issues with the trains, uh, people are finding themselves just crowding, crowding LRT station platforms and waiting for trains to come. So they have to get people out of the downtown somehow. And really, that's what we're experiencing right now in Ottawa, just a lot of unreliable LRT service. There, I would assume, are always going to be expectations that when you roll out a new system like this, no matter what kind of system it is, there will be some hiccups. But what I'm reading is that the mayor there and certainly other people who are who are involved in this are thinking this is way beyond what would be a normal bumpy rollout. It certainly looks that way, especially, I would say, Scott, over the past week. Uh, some weird things have happened. For example, an overhead wire. So these are the wires that actually power the trains. They're electrified. They send power into the trains. Um, one of those wires actually was pulled down by a train near one of our east end stations. They don't know why it happened. They think um, the device that attaches the train to the wire might have snagged the wire. So that was a weird occurrence. Then over the past week, a lot of these trains have been starting to get flat spots on their wheels. And that's chalked up by the looks of things 
to perhaps uh, regular maintenance not being done properly. Maybe some other issue about how the, the system was designed is causing these flat spots on the wheels. All that to say is these trains get pulled out of circulation, and if you don't have enough trains for your peak hours, so those morning and afternoon commutes, you're really, really stressing the LRT system, and those, those LRT platforms get jammed, and people are waiting longer for trains. I want to go through, just very quickly, a quick list, and this may not be a comprehensive list, but a quick list of some of the things that have caused the delays. Uh, you can add anything onto this that I'm forgetting. Door jams, onboard computers freezing, system-wide computer breakdown, switches, as you say, going on the tracks, dirt on the train roofs. I don't even know why that would be a problem. The power cable that you described, flat wheels, a compressor fault. Uh, I may have missed something there, but th- I mean, it's a... Again, if you're trying to convince people that this is the best way to move around town, I'm not sure that it's doing the job. No, and, and along with the problems with the trains, you know, our transit agency here, OC Transpo, a city agency, redesigned the bus routes too when LRT started in September. So people, you know, Ottawa is a massively, massive city in terms of geography. So people from the suburbs were taking previously express buses from the suburbs right into their downtown jobs. So they stopped doing those direct from suburb to downtown bus routes when LRT opened, and instead those buses coming from the suburbs now drop people off at the nearest LRT station. So you can imagine those terminus stations, the amount of people just getting off buses to transfer to LRT to uh, continue on their trips on the way to downtown. So a lot of those, the, the bus network too is being stressed too, because every time the LRT system uh, has a delay, it trickles down to the bus network. Uh, and so really it's become a system-wide uh, concern, a system-wide issue for the city of Ottawa, OC Transpo, and it's not just uh, an LRT thing, but it's rooted in the LRT problems. John, the, the, the thing about this that I find somewhat surprising, I guess, is it would be one thing if Ottawa was the first LRT in a northern climate where some of these things you couldn't test them or you wouldn't expect, but Edmonton has had its share of issues with its LRT. Uh, Kingston, uh, Kitchener, pardon me, has had some issues with, like, it, by now, shouldn't this be stuff that has been figured out, maybe? Uh, yes, especially since, and speaking in Ottawa's uh, case, we have some heavy hitters who built our system. So we're talking about ACS, ACS Infrastructure, Ellis Don, SNC-Lavalin. Those are the partners of the consortium called Rideau Transit Group that built and is, in, is now maintaining our LRT system. So it is actually quite perplexing when you hear about some of these maintenance issues that are happening right now in Ottawa. You're thinking, well, these, these guys, you know, they, these aren't uh, new companies. They've been around for a while creating transportation systems. And we're all struggling to figure out why these issues are happening in Ottawa. And it's funny because actually last yesterday and, and last night, there's a transit commission meeting here at Ottawa City Hall. And one of the things we learned was that our uh, maintainer and builder, Rito Transit Group, is bringing in an outside consultant for advice as to how to maintain the LRT system. So these are international companies part, who have partnered to build and maintain our LRT system, needing another international consultant for advice as to how to maintain our $2.1 billion LRT system. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. What lessons has, if any, has Ottawa taken from the struggles that they've had with the thing so far? 
Well, first of all, I'll say, Scott, when, the, when our LRT system is running, it's great. People love it. You know, it's a comfortable ride. Instead of being crammed on a bus, I mean, people are still kind of crammed in on trains at the peak hours. But people really enjoy the, the ride on, on the trains. You know, it passes uh, through a two-and-a-half-kilometer downtown tunnel, so you, you avoid all the, the traffic signals if you're on a bus on the surface. So things are good when it's working well. What uh, seems to be the problem with Ottawa right now is it was a private-public partnership deal. They, uh, they signed with Rio Transit Group to build and maintain the system. And so what the city has done is they've taken a hands-off approach in that to say, here you go, Rideau Transit Group, you've built it, now maintain it and just do the job. They don't have any, for example, city employees, public servants who are actually working on the maintenance team of the LRT system. They're leaving it up to an outside company to maintain it. So they have lost a little bit of control about, for example, how many staff that company is using, kind of their, their maintenance uh, regimes that they use to take care of the trains and the tracks. But you're seeing them... You know, we're seeing the city actually taking a closer look over the past two months as to, you know, how many people do they have working on the maintenance uh, side of things? How, what are their systems like? So I guess I would say is, you know, for any other municipality looking into a new rapid transit system, think about your procurement process, processes and your request for proposals and your tender documents right up front to make sure you can see ahead you know, 5, 10, 20, 30 years. Our maintenance contract here, Scott, is a 30-year deal, okay, with Rideau Transit Group, their maintenance arm. So I think it really uh, really uh, kind of underscores the importance of making sure you get everything right at the front end of the project, and that's in the procurement phase. Well, and one of the things, I mean, if, if an LRT was to come here, the plan is that Metrolinx, an outside arms-length provincial company, would run it in the city of Hamilton, as I understand, would have little to do with it. That sounds, from what you're describing, like something that they may want to revisit if yours is any example of what could happen. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I, you know, with a, with a government crown agency, I don't know if things would be different um, in terms of how it would be managed with a, a private company. Uh, perhaps, uh, you know, there's a little bit more concern about um, costs and how much money uh, the partners are sinking into this uh, company that's, you know, maintaining the system. I don't know. It's a, it would be an interesting... Uh, case study, you know, if Hamilton does get LRT, how Metrolinx would take care of it. One of the things I was reading today about, uh, and this is an older story, it's not a brand new story, but in Edmonton, where they have a newish LRT, they've had trouble building ridership, and a part of it, apparently, is because the people who have tried to use it in the past, it hasn't always worked, and so there's been a credibility gap, and now you have to What's that old saying? Well, you get one chance to make a first impression. You say that when it's working really well in Ottawa, it's great. Is there any kind of credibility issue or people there saying, you know what, I, I, I just can't trust it, so I'm not going to use it? Or do they say, no, I'll keep using it? Uh, it's interesting because, you know, the ridership numbers, the updated ridership numbers we received last night suggested, for example, in December, our ridership across the tr- entire tra- transit agency was up about 3% compared to uh, the same month in uh, 2018. So ridership is actually hasn't been affected that much by the LRT problems, but just anecdotally, uh, you're hearing of people uh, not using their transit passes anymore and thinking about more, thinking about using their cars more. Um, you know, we've heard of stories of people actually uh, rather pay for parking downtown, which is you know extremely expensive, uh, instead of keeping going with a monthly transit pass. Uh, people are choosing Uber. You know, people are choosing to walk and even in the winter bike, too. 
Uh, we have pretty good biking or cycling infrastructure that's continuing to grow, so people are taking advantage of that. Uh, so and to, the short answer to your question is yes, people are thinking more about their other transportation options other than uh, OC transport and, and public transit in Ottawa. And that's concerning for the city of Ottawa because really if uh, more people are choosing to do something else than use transit, uh, you're losing revenue. And so if you lose revenue in your transit agency, you're going back to property taxpayers to pay for uh, your, your transit services. It is uh, it is an interesting case study. Again, if, if, if it comes here, I'm hoping, I'm truly hoping that the people in Hamilton, as this thing gets going, will spend an awful lot of time before they really dive into this, talking to people in Ottawa, talking to people in Edmonton, talking to people in Waterloo, which I know they have there, and finding out where these problems have happened. Because, John, honestly, um, nothing personal, but if it does come here, we hope you guys are the ones who are the guinea pigs for us, <laughs> rather than going through the exact same thing. And rightfully so, and rightfully so. And, you know, some of the trains that we're using right now in Ottawa are, are being eyed by other transit agencies in, in the greater Toronto area, I know, too. So, I mean, let Ottawa be the Petri dish. I, I agree with you 100% and, and learn those lessons. And I can't, uh, you know, I can't emphasize enough, get it right up front in the procurement phase, because if not, you're going to pay for it in years and decades to come. John Willing from the Ottawa Citizen, really, really appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this today. Thanks for having me. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Rick Zamperin is in studio. See, we bring Rick in because he just did the news wheel and he's about to do the Bulldogs pregame show and postgame show. And Only the postgame show. Okay. But we figured that we, if we don't have him in right now, he might go two hours without being on the air. <laughs> And it's like eating a buffet on a cruise ship. You can't go that long without... I've been on a cruise ship. I know what you talk of. <laughs> yes, yes. I We were on one one time, and they had a buffet announced for somewhere of like three hours after dinner. And yeah. the way people ran oh, to... Yeah. It was like it was like you haven't eaten in a month. I remember we... Uh, my wife and I went on a cruise for our honeymoon, Caribbean cruise, and they fed you... Pretty much 24-7. <laughs> we were on this boat for seven days, and there was food all the time. And when there wasn't food, they brought out some food. It was incredible. Or they were announcing the food was about it, to yeah, come. it was about to come. Yes. Get ready. We're about to feed you again. Yes. The, yeah, gentlemen, start your enzymes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these boats must weigh a certain amount, and then at the end of a week or two, it must, it must triple because people must triple their weight. Well, I'm assuming that the... About the weight is constant because the food is on there, and then it just it just differently well, moved because it goes sure, into the bodies. Yes, yes, and then and then it escapes somehow, so, and then hopefully <laughs> you might lighten the load. I don't oh, know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it escapes that way. Do they just have like a hole in the bottom I of the think, ship, and from all the plumbing just shoots that's, right? In? That's what I think happens. Not why we had you on here to talk about cruise oh, ships and uh, plumbing. <laughs> uh, something way more troubling, and I know you've seen this. I've seen it. There is a documentary that is on Netflix right now. It's about Aaron Hernandez, who some people will know was a tight end with the New England Patriots a number of years ago. Um, there's a documentary now. If, we, if you haven't seen it, the headline, the title might give it away, but Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez. Yeah. It's not a spoiler, I don't think, because it was in the news. Mm-hmm. He was imprisoned for... He, he was guilty of killing one person yes. on charges of killing two more people yes. and ended up committing suicide in prison. Right. All this, again, not spoiler alert, this is well-known yeah. stuff. Yeah, this is, tr- this is a true crime. It's a true crime story. Yeah. But the troubling part, I mean, look, there's so many troubling parts of this, yes. Rick. I mean, it's a, just, it's a horrible story. 
but you're a football guy. You, you've called football games. Uh, you followed the game. I'm a football fan. And yet, near the end of this documentary, when his family has donated his brain to be analyzed, right. it certainly looks like he is suffering from CET, mm-hmm. like so many other football players have, and seemingly has caused their behavior or their health to yeah. change. And at what point, you watch this one, you hear about Junior Seau, all these... At what point do you start saying, I have a an ethical problem now watching football? Right. I'm sure some people have already asked that question and have answered by turning to something else or not going to a game or not supporting the sport at all through buying of merchandise or playing fantasy sports or whatever the case is. But I think, and I don't remember the individual's name. He was with the San Francisco 49ers. I think his last name was Borland, and he was in this documentary. Mm-hmm. Who quit early. He quit after one season because... You know, he saw how some of the older players uh, who were still in the league and some who had who have exited the league through retirement or whatnot and how the sport kind of, you know, battered and bruised their bodies and he didn't want to go through that. So he referenced, um, you know, this Aaron uh, Hernandez uh, story by basically saying not everyone with concussions or concussion symptoms um, turn out to be murderers. Which was, you know, really telling. It, it came in the in I believe the third part of this three part kind of series, um, and it's a great point because uh, you know Junior Seau had this. He donated his brain. He shot himself in in the heart, so that no he wouldn't was, blow out exactly. his brain, so they could study it. And you know, uh, which is stunning when you think that yeah. you are cognizant enough to think I'm not going to blow up my brain so yeah. they can study it, but I still want to kill my, I'm still so badly off that I have yeah. to kill myself. That, that to me was a tough one. Incredible. I mean, incredible. Um, the thought process that he had to go through to, to do that. Um, but yeah, um, Hernandez, they studied his brain. Uh, Dr. McKee who's a renowned uh, doctor in the U S uh, you know, looked at what a normal brain looks like compared to Aaron Hernandez, and it was just night and day. And he was only 26. But he looked like an elderly man's yeah, brain. Yeah, with, you know, dementia and Alzheimer's, but it was, you know, through repeated, you know, hits to the head. That we think. His brain, yes, we, we assume, we think, we think we, but... Yeah. And we, and who was the guy in the movie Concussion? The the Pittsburgh Steelers center. Yes, uh, oh, Mike Webster. Mike Webster, yes. who sort of got this whole thing rolling. And, and again, for, for me, look, I love watching football. Mm-hmm. But they're do- they're starting to get to that point where I start to think, can I watch football right. in good conscience, knowing that this knowing is it's happening? Not, it's not going to cause everyone to kill themselves right. or everyone to kill someone else, but that to a fair number, it seems it is doing real damage. Yeah, it is. Uh, I know we got to go here, but it is you know League of Denial, a great book about you know the Mike Webster story, or one of many stories in that book. Uh, it's just when you watch the sport, yes, it's exciting, it's violent, it's chaotic at times, uh, it's beautiful to watch. Uh, they've made some strides to make the game safer, but at the end of the day, it's still a very aggressively violent sport that people who are in it have to, you know, take that into account. We got it. We do have to take a break in a second, but just before we do, is there in your mind? I don't think that. I mean, maybe with kids, but as adults, nobody is forcing a player to be on the field. So if yeah, you have an I mean, if you have an ethical question about it, is the fact that they are choosing to be there does yeah. that take that off your plate as a viewer? Sure, and let's not forget they're getting paid handsomely to do so. So maybe it lightens the the load on your conscience that they're you know, they're choosing to be there and they're choosing to put their bodies in harm's way. Um, it's unfortunate at the end of the day that, that you know these individuals go through this pain and suffering. 
You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. The kickoff point is the Aaron Hernandez documentary that is on Netflix right now. A killer inside the mind of Aaron Hernandez. Again, about the former New England Patriots tight end who was convicted of murdering one person on trial or on charges of killing two others and then committed suicide in prison Mm -hmm. and was discovered to have CTE, the brain injury that they believe. I don't think it's much of a stretch to say had come from his football playing days. And just about the difficulty of this, because we're seeing this now, um, we're seeing this now with more and more players. And just before the break, Rick, I said, did it matter to you or does it, does it make it less difficult as a viewer to watch knowing that these guys have chosen to be on the field? And I've talked to players. Mike Morreale was on this show and Mm -hmm. I said to him, of the guys you played with, if they said to you at 50 years old, you will have brain injury. Do you wish to sign the contract? I'm just telling you this. Right. He says everybody would have still signed that contract. And I, I don't disagree with him. I think he's right, especially in the NFL when they're going to pay you millions yeah. of dollars. See, the obviously we, knew, we know what the, the impact of CTE is, or at least we believe we know what it is. But there are so many other injuries that football players you know uh, encounter, whether it's broken limbs or debilitating injuries or whatnot. But yes, at the end of the day, they're choosing to do this. They get paid, as I said, handsomely. Um, and I think they start as kids or as teens with the best intentions. I want to win the Super Bowl or I want to win the Grey Cup. I want to you know, be a football star. And they're not necessarily thinking about the long-term health ramifications. Yes, they know they can get hurt. They can suffer a broken leg or a broken arm during a game that season. But so many years down the road, they're not really thinking about you know, what those impacts are. If you, if you were Earl Campbell... All right, yeah. who can't walk these days. Yeah. One of the great running backs of all time, and ironically, a guy who, when you watch, had the thickest lower yeah, half of his body. And now his legs are gone. He can barely walk. If you were Earl Campbell, would you, or someone like him, would mm. you trade the long-term crippling injuries for a life of wealth and luxury and say, ah, oh, you know what, I may be not able to walk around, but at least i got a beautiful house to live in. Wow. I mean, I would be happy for my family, uh, you know, because they would be fine and set. But, yeah, as an individual, I mean, that would... And let's face it, he he wasn't that old when those injuries started really, you know, making him a different person, basically, at the end of the day. Uh, he was hurt during his career. Certainly, quickly after his career, he really broke down. Um, so... I don't know. That's a tough question. I, you know, the the uh, camaraderie with football players is great, as in all you know, pro and amateur sports. You, you get along with the guys or the gals, uh, and the money's great. But yeah, that physical, you know, if you have a deadline of how healthy you're going to be at a certain point, that's a tough question. In this documentary, and, and I would encourage people to watch. I don't know if you if it's something you would recommend. I, I thought it was, yeah, it was definitely amazing. worth watching. Yeah. The other thing that really struck me is they have recorded phone calls that from he makes prison, from yeah. prison. And I never met Aaron Hernandez. He he's he's a, his reputation is horrible because of killing people, yeah, obviously. Yeah. He sounds like the loveliest, normal, most yeah. normal doting dad of all time yeah. from jail. Do you if if what happened to him was the result or partially the result of football, do you have sympathy for him? Whew. Maybe a little bit, but not a lot. I mean, at the end of the day, he still ended up killing people. But if that's a brain injury that yeah. caused him Does to Does he change. actually know what he's doing? Eh, I don't know. I mean, there were several points in this documentary where he's flying off the handle for the littlest of things. 
Um, you know, he allegedly kills Odin Lloyd, which is his sister-in-law's boyfriend, um, because maybe he knew about his sexuality. And, and within the documentary, I don't want to spoil it for many people, but there's, you know, there's questions surrounding his sexuality growing up and, and you know, even in the prison system. Uh, and, you know, the secondary shooting is over a spilled drink. Uh, in, in I think it was a Chicago where he ended up, you know, allegedly shooting and, and killing these two individuals. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's I find it hard to make that connection. Yes, if he does have a brain injury, does he go from a normal human being to a, a you know, sociopathic killer? That's a bit of a stretch. for Or me. a guy who just can't control that part of him yeah. because of some part of his brain that is the trigger for self-control. But, and, and the difficulty, the real difficulty then becomes... Do we want, years from now, mm-hmm. O.J. Simpson's brain to be donated to science? And I'm saying this very seriously, because yeah. what happens if he donates his brain to science? Yeah, and it turns out to be the same thing. turns out to be the same thing, and the guy who is the most one of the most reviled people in America still, right. yeah. does that make him a sympathetic character if he was now someone who maybe was in the same boat? Sure. It certainly brings that excuse or that possibility to the fore. But how many other football players, let's let's just stick with that sport, how many others have concussions and may have similar brains, but they don't kill people? <laughs> you know, obviously all everyone is different. Yeah, all of them, except for, you know, a, a, a small handful. Um, so, yeah, to me it's a bit of a stretch, but it, it would certainly make some people think otherwise. That, you know, because of this, he became... Uh, you know, uh, a, a person who took two lives. I, I, I'm not going to offer O.J. Simpson any advice, but I really hope that he does not donate his brain because, the, <laughs> yeah, seriously, because the possibility that, that that he could be turned into a sympathetic character yeah. to me is, it's, anyway. It's I, slippery slope. I, it is very much so. Uh, it is well worth watching, though. It's three hours long, three one-hour yeah, things. It's a rainy weekend coming up. It's a perfect time if you're, you uh, if you're home to, uh, to give it a watch. Rick Zamperin, thanks for doing this. You got it. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.